This episode of the Beautiful Feet Podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary of My Solitude, a published book of poetry by me, Anthony Giesick. You can pick up your copy at beautifulfeetentertainment.com, at iUniverse.com, and Amazon.com. This is the Beautiful Feet Podcast. A partnership with BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. Follow us on social media at Beautiful Feet Entertainment and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Beautiful Feet Podcast. My name's Anthony. And I'm Jessica. And this week, um, we're kind of jumping back into a little bit of research mode, but we're mixing it with a little bit of movie review. Um... Because we're going to be doing a movie review and giving some background to that movie. So, do you want to explain what we're doing for the month for the art? So, let me go ahead and pull up our internet here. Okay. So, May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Yes. So, one of our links will be AsianPacificHeritage.gov. It is a collaboration between the Library of Congress, the National Archives and Records Administration, the National Endowment for the Humanities, the National Gallery of Art, the National Park Service, the Smithsonian Institution, and the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum. They are, and I quote, paying tribute to the generations of Asian and Pacific Islanders who have enriched America's history and are instrumental in its future success. So I'm very, like, I always love to look and see when we're planning the podcast, okay, what is highlighted this month? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and this is honestly when we, when we kind of, when I came up with the concept of this podcast and when you and I started developing it, this is what I wanted it to become. Not just a movie review, but like, let's, background into that movie let's talk about it from a historical perspective and and really let's talk about not just our our, uh understanding of whatever movie we're talking about but what we've learned from the movie like that was the purpose of the podcast and i think we're finally getting to that point so those of you who've been listening for a while know that what we generally do is our podcast episodes are broken down into two parts. We'll yeah. have like the movie review or a special the guest bit. interview. That's going to be the first portion of the podcast. Yeah. And then the second half um, is typically a Bible study. Um, so right now we're going over the book of John and we're going chapter by chapter. Um, and we usually you know, encourage you to read along with us because if you read along in the Bible with us, you'll you'll see the full picture where we go from we we just go over a few verses or concepts of that chapter. So as we're moving into the summer months, we're going to be finishing up the book of John and we're gonna be heading into the book of Revelation. I'm very excited for the book of Revelation. I'm actually going to um before we get to the book of Revelation, I'm gonna read it myself and do some research on it because it's a very heavy book of the Bible. So to balance out that heaviness as we're going through the book of Revelation, a lot of the first portion of the podcast is going to be much more fun and lighthearted. Definitely. 
we definitely wanted to balance it out because the first half of this year, we went research heavy. We were yes. talking about the history of the Bible, why it's relevant. We're talking about a lot of research. Uh, and now we're like, okay, let's let's go ahead and, um, like we just said, balance it out so that the listeners, so that you guys aren't just bombarded with insane information. So, yeah. So in honor of Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, we, because we are massive Disney fans, have picked yeah. some films that take place in those different areas of the world. Definitely. So for this week, because we're going to be doing this for the whole month. Yes. For this week, what is the movie that we're focused on today? So our movie from today is the 2016 Disney animated film Moana. Oh my gosh. I, okay, I cry every time I watch this movie. <laughs> I love this movie. He really does. Yeah, like it's I not a joke. love this movie. Um, and, and so, do you want to explain why you cry every time we okay. watch it? Because I feel like that might be helpful. So, one, it's a very powerful story. It's a very like the music is fantastic. The music hits me in the heart every single time I hear it. There's a period of time where I had the soundtrack on my phone. Yes. And I would kind of like, because at the time I was I was working at a grocery store and I was stocking shelves, um, I would play it every once in a while. And I, I had to stop playing it because I would sit there and be on the edge of tears and I'm like, this does not look good. <laughs> Luckily, I was still working. It wasn't like I was balled up in the corner of the grocery store. But um, I don't know. It's just something about the mix of the story and the empowerment of, of the main character and just the music behind it just hits me every single time. So before we get too much into Moana, let's take a look at Polynesian culture because that is the culture that is represented and portrayed in the film. Yeah. So I will move to the next tab here. Okay. So because I am horrible at geography, I always have to Google literally like where in the world is insert place here because I just have no idea. Yeah. And neither do I. We're both just awful when it comes to this subject. So Polynesia or Polynesian culture is a culture that is based in the Pacific Ocean. And they're known as the Pacific Islands. Which is why the people there are Pacific Islanders. Yes. Okay, and, and, and what would that look like? Like, who is involved in that in that culture? So, if you think of Polynesia as like a giant triangle, the very top, or as it says here, the apex of the triangle is going to be the Hawaiian Islands to the north. So, Hawaii. And then we're going to go all the way down to New Zealand in the west. And then Easter Island in the east. So that's our big triangle. And do you want to tell them where we're getting this information? Because we're not this, making this up. No, this information comes to us from Britannica.com slash place slash Polynesia. Because I love Britannica.com. I am there a lot. Yeah. And, and you'll find this in our show notes. There'll be a... You know what I love to say. We'll have it linked in the description below. 
Yes, that is I, my was, f- I was waiting for you to say that. That so. is my favorite thing to say. I don't know why. Like, I hear my favorite YouTube artists and stuff say it, and I just love it. Yeah, everyone says it because you kind of have to. You have to remind people, like, look, there's links below. Click on them. Keep keep involved. Keep in, you know. What's well, going and on? it 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 goes back to this very simple concept of like we're gonna give credit where it's due. Yeah. So. Hooray for Speaking of credit, research. let's keep talking about Polynesian culture. <laughs> I don't want to get too off topic here. Okay. So, it says, At the turn of the 21st century, about 70% of the total population of Polynesia resided in Hawaii. But there are other um, cultural areas? Other islands? Uh, well, we'll go with islands. And if we're, if, okay, if we're being... If we sound ignorant, if we don't know what we're talking about, it's because we don't. Okay, <laughs> we're, we're really going at this from an educational standpoint because we don't know culturally like what's accepted in this aspect. So we ask that you show us some grace. Please bear with us. We're trying to learn. Well, and it could be honestly too just the fact that like I've never left the United States before. I've rarely left the state that we live in, let's be honest. <laughs> um, I've gone to France. I've been to Canada. That's it. As far as out of the United States. Okay. So, um, there is a whole list of people, groups. The Tuvalu, Tokelau, Wallace, Futuna. Samoa, formerly Western Samoa, American Samoa, Tonga, Niui. I'll go with Niui. Niui. Cook Islands, French Polynesia, Tahiti, Society Islands, the Marquesas Islands, the Austral Islands, the Tuamatu Archipelago. Oh my word. (laughs) Including the Gam- Gambier Islands and the Pitcairn Island. That was a lot to say. I have no idea if I pronounced it properly and appropriately, but I have done my very best. Yeah. Um, so, before we kind of move on, what do we know about these cultures? Honestly, um, I don't know much. I know very, 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 very little. So, the Polynesian culture was very influenced by the physical environment around them. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, think about it. In this perspective, if you are going to be on an island, yeah, that means that you're probably not going to have a wide variety of trading partners and people that you can interact with on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So you have to learn to be, for the most part, self-sufficient with the resources that you have available on the island where you live. Yeah. And I feel like Moana does a good job in highlighting that fact. Definitely. Uh, there's like opening scenes where you see people harvesting the coconuts and they talk about how... That that is like a source of food for them. It's also a source of like fiber materials with mm-hmm. which to like weave things and make mats and clothing out of. Yeah, 
Definitely. Well, and and what we see in, in Moana, what we see in the movie, like, um, we see how they live off of the island, right? They've they've built uh, civilizations, but they still live. They still fish. They still, like you said, they still harvest. They still do all these things off of the island, and so they have a respect for that island and what the island provides them as far as resources. Um, which we in America, especially where we live, we don't do that. Um, does that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we, we have a different level of respect for our culture or our, our environment, but it's usually not because we plant and, and grow our own crops. We can, um, but we don't typically. Sorry, I'm just reading through more of this um, Britannica article. Go ahead. Um, It goes through to talk about the fact that people from Western civilizations had sort of idealized these areas as this is going to be a paradise. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of what they saturated into um, their fiction from like the 1840s to the 1890s um, and then continuing on into more modern times looking at musicals and films um, so like bringing it into the 21st century it talks about how the traditional Polynesian cultures were in fact very complex highly specialized and adapted to environments that could be quite hostile. Yeah. So not everything was the paradise that the Europeans imagined it would be. Exactly. And I think that that's something we could see uh, maybe as, as a, as a flaw in the movie Moana, you know what I mean? Is they still kind of show it as a paradise to some degree. They show some, level of, of hostility with um, the, the coconuts, right? Mm-hmm. How they were going bad and things like that. But still, you, you look at it and you're like, I want a vacation there. Instead of, this is a story about their life and, and, and how they um, interact with culture. Can't have too much dead air. Sorry. I, well, like, I don't know. Do you want to go back to Moana? Because I feel like that was more of the thing we were going to talk about, not specifically Polynesian culture. Like, yeah, this is we, not what I we, prepped for, my dudeness. That's why I'm trying to move it to Moana. Okay, so we're going to segue to our tab. We're going back to the movie. Sorry about the dead air. So, here's what's funny, right? So, as I'm speaking... Um, I'm like frantically she, scrolling through she's trying reading, to figure she's out. She's reading the article, which you've already read. What you want me to highlight. And then, because we do prep for the show, believe it or not. But then you get lost in the article and I'm like, we can move on. We don't have to stay <laughs> on this article. We have three more to talk about. Um, okay. So we are hop skipping and jumping back to 2016. Truth. With Moana premiering. And you and I actually saw Moana on, like, the Thanksgiving holiday. So, this is what, our first Thanksgiving together? It was. It was our first Thanksgiving together, and you were terrified to meet my family. Okay. 
To be fair, I mean, it's not like I thought your family's going to axe murder me or anything. I wasn't afraid for my life. It's just like, from our backgrounds, my family is very quiet and much smaller than your family is. Definitely. So when I go to Thanksgiving with my family, it's, it's like eight people. Maybe. My parents, maybe my aunt and uncle, and like cousins. cousins. So yeah. yeah, definitely like our normal Thanksgiving is under ten people. Yeah. Well, because none of your cousins even have kids at this point, so yeah. it's not this big. Um, For my family, that's locally anyway. Local, yeah. We're not talking about the you know the big family. We're talking about who's in town. Um, and for your family, you can describe so, how so, they descend upon so us. So here's what we do. We uh, typically, we my dad has a system with his, his siblings where one year he'll be the host. The next year we'll go to my aunt's house. The next year we go to like, used to be my grandma's house, but she had, she's, she's passed. So, um, we, but we, we bounce every year. Um, and this, it's not just like, hey, here's my father-in-law and his two sisters. Yeah, it's upwards. Let, let me let, okay. So we have we have first of all that year everyone was going to my dad's house. So we have my dad. He has three kids. I almost said two. Almost left Matthew out. <laughs> uh, wow. Even though, sorry, so, Matthew. So we, my dad has three kids. His wife. So that's five. And then you go, um, then you have like my aunt who has two kids and I believe they, if not, if they're not married, they, they at least have like a guest come with them or girlfriend or something. So that doubles that. Then you have my other aunt who not only has two kids, but they each have a wife and they each have their own kids. So... Basically, what it boils down to, where your family may be 10 people on a really good day, mine is upwards of 30 to 40 people. All in one house, and, all at the same time. And we all speak at the same time. There's no, hey, I'm speaking, so you need to be quiet. It's all one giant conversation. Long story short, about three or four hours in, I was in shell shock. She was comatose in the corner. Uh, so we just left and we watched Moana and we loved it. Which, by the way, that was our plan. Yes. Hey, when it gets overwhelming, we have this movie times already. We knew them. We already planned them out. We're going to go to the movies. And I do love my in-laws very much. Well, at this time, they weren't even in-laws. They I were know, like... but I don't want people to think that like... I don't love your family. I do. I love them very much. She's lying. I just get <laughs> anxious in social situations. No, that's understandable. So, moving forward. We went to the movie. We both loved this movie. Yes? Yes. Okay. I was like, you kind of looked at me like, don't speak for me. I understand. So, um, I, I grew up in the generation <clears throat> where The Little Mermaid was probably one of the first films that I ever really remember seeing. Yeah. So being able to see Moana and like how beautifully the ocean was rendered and all of the wonderful like creatures like the little sea turtles and the sandpipers and of course, you know, Hey Hey and Pua. Yes. Some days I literally I'm like, I, think, I, I feel think, like Hey Hey I right think now. Pua was my favorite of those two <laughs> of those two characters. Um so, 
how did we think of the movie as far as a depiction of that culture? Let's talk about that real quick because we're going to talk about that next. Um, well, like especially in the beginning of the film where she's there and she's going through the island and we see her interacting with her parents and the other islanders. I feel like that was a very good introduction to, okay, this is what Disney's rendering of ancient Polynesia is going to look like. Yeah, and they never specifically said where they're located, did they? They weren't like, hey, we're on this island. No, it was just like, this is my island, this is my home kind yeah. of thing. So, and, and that might be a downfall. I don't really know. Again, we're t- we are not qualified to make that judgment call. Um, but I did think that was strange in the movie where I'm like, where are they? Mm-hmm. As far as what island? Even if you like... No, I don't say made up a name, but like, even if it was a name that I've never heard of, at least I could like Google it and go, oh, that makes sense. Kind of like how Aladdin takes place in Agrabah, which we know is a fictional place, but we could probably put it safely in the Middle East. Yeah, like, well, because I think, I'd have to look in, into Aladdin again, but I, th- I thought there was some evidence that showed like, yeah, this is the Middle East. Um mm-hmm. But anyway, so, and, and, and one of the things that I loved, and one of the things that I remember Disney making a huge deal about, and I don't know how this lands with people, but the fact that the cast were people who, who um, belonged to this culture. It wasn't white people playing people of Polynesian descent. It was people of Polynesian descent playing people of Polynesian descent. I don't know how that hit you, but I remember they made a... Not that they were trying to show off, but it just... That was a big selling point to, like, look. Like, I remember them doing interviews with the star of the movie, who I don't remember her name, so if you want to look that up, because I know... Uh, yes, let me scroll here. <clears throat> I, want to, I want to show some respect for the, the cast, so... Right here. Yeah, I'm not going to try to say that, but... Help me out here. Ah, <laughs> uh, Awali, Yeah. But yeah, we'll we'll figure that out because I know we can figure out how to pronounce her name. But the simple, and I think what was really I'm like, cool I was, wonder if I'll say it if we click on it. No, it would just go to her profile. Oh. Um, but anyway. well, it might it might give like a phonetic go for way it. to. Sometimes they're like, this person pronounced their name in this way, and I just don't see that. I don't think that it says, but, you know, anyway, one, I appreciated the fact that the majority of the cast, if not all the cast, was from these different islands or, you know, had a heritage of this culture. That was amazing to me. Um... But also, at the same time, the girl who played the main character was the same age, roughly the same age as the main character. Mm-hmm. She, as you see, she was born in 2000. The movie was... 2016. 2016. So she was a high school. She was 16 years old. When she was 15, 16 years old, she made the movie. The character is roughly the same age, give or take a year or two. Whereas, how many times do we see in movies a 20-some-year-old playing a 15-year-old, 16-year-old? You know... 
that was big. That was pretty cool. And like, do you want to talk about The Rock? You know you want to talk about The we Rock. We will get to The Rock. Okay. Um, the Rock did huge press for this movie. Because um, he played... Uh, he played Maui, right? Yeah. Yes. I was like, I totally just spaced the name. It's, it's right, right in front here, of honey. I'm, yeah. Anyway, so he played Maui. And the character of Maui, as you, as you researched, was actually like the, the, the look of him and the way he kind of commanded the screen or whatever was actually based on um, the Rock's grandfather, Chief... Um, Peter Maivia, so who was professional wrestler, but like was also a, you know, a, a real life chief on his island. So like that wasn't just a title for wrestling, that was his heritage, um, and that was really you know. And, and I remember The Rock doing multiple interviews where he's like, "I'm so thankful, I'm so proud to play this character and actually represent my people." Like. It was a big deal for a lot of this cast to represent somebody who looked like them, who came from a culture that they came from. It was a big deal, and it should be a big deal. Well, and you and I were talking about this, not specifically for the prep for this podcast, but just like in general conversation yeah, afterwards. as we do. We were talking about the fact that Yes, it is very nice to have a month to highlight these stories, but shouldn't we just highlight these stories because they're good stories? Yeah. Like, I would I would do a review of this movie no matter what month it was. If we were like, hey, let's review, review a movie or let's do some research on the background of a movie, this would be a great movie. Just because it's a great movie, in my opinion. Um and I think one of the things that made Moana so relatable is it has a musical score that I feel like anyone could get into. Like, I can't imagine anyone listening to these songs and being like, yeah, I didn't really like that movie. I think of one person in your family who might, but that's (laughs) one person in your family who shall remain nameless and... He's awesome. But anyway, um, <laughs> so, yeah, he just doesn't like musicals. It, it's as simple as that. Um, but, yeah, I was going to say that I felt like the music was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And that was done by Lin-Manuel Miranda, right? Yes. Okay. So, not of, of the same culture, but... And I don't know much about him, but he seems like he does his research before making music. So, like, I imagine he went and, you know, got people who knew the music and the culture to help. I would hope. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I felt like he did great. I don't I don't know what people of this culture would say. And that might be a good segue into that conversation. Okay, so I looked up a BuzzFeed article. And, again... We'll link it down in the description. This BuzzFeed article is by Morgan Sloss. Um, It says, We asked for Pacific Islanders' honest opinions on Moana, and they did not hold back. And this came out May 1st, 2020, so it's pretty recent. She says, We recently asked Pacific Islander members of the BuzzFeed community for their honest opinions on Moana, Disney's first movie with a Polynesian princess. Hashtag, she's not. 
but anyway. Hashtag she is a princess. Her dad was a chief. I know, but like she doesn't want. She to doesn't ad- have the title of princess. She doesn't, she doesn't want, want to, to identify as a princess. Well, but she's still a princess. Anyway, moving on. We could have that argument later. <laughs> so here are some of their responses. So many people appreciated the movies showcasing a Pacific culture to the rest of the world. But then it said some people were deeply offended by the portrayal of Grandma Tala. So Grandma Tala was, as you as you get ready to tell her part of the story, like she was Moana's grandma, right? She wasn't like a general grandma; she was her grandma, correct? Correct. So um, she is Moana's father's yeah, mother. Mom. Yeah, and she really keeps to like the traditional culture values whereas i think the father was very much like we're gonna um not change our values but they're evolving over time and moana is a product of that well not to blow too much of the movie for you but moana realizes that while her father and the rest of the villagers of that generation are very confident in staying on the island the previous generations had sailed from island to island and that's why moana feels drawn to the ocean and her grandmother has the same connection to the ocean well and if we're spoiling the movie for you at this point five years almost six years later whatever it is (laughs) sorry i guess uh but let's read about why people were offended about the grandma So, the quote says that for them to portray Grandma Tala as the crazy lady of the village was so offensive. Why was she crazy? Because she held on to cultural practices and told stories of her own people? Because she didn't have a knowledge of Western education? And then it just goes on to be like, hey, we don't like Disney. Yeah. Well, and, and again, this is, that's a valid argument. You know, and again, that's not something I'm going to catch because this is me as a as an American looking at another culture going, huh, and just trying to learn about it and just seeing this quote unquote crazy character. And we just saw it as, as, as at least I did. I saw it just as humor. See, I felt more like she is maybe slightly eccentric, yeah. but... I feel like across the board, I don't want to say elderly people, but like seniors that we know, they have habits that to us as younger generations might seem a little peculiar. Yep. I mean, we, we talk about it all the time with our parents and our grandparents. and. So I always joke that I was raised by little old ladies, but it it's really is true. It's not a joke. <laughs> There's nothing a joke about it. So, a lot of people that I know are in literally, like, the 50 to 70 plus. Like, I definitely know people in their 90s. Like, that demographic. Which explains why you go to bed at 9.30. I really do. Like, last... You eat, you eat dinner at 4.30 or 5. You go to bed at <laughs> 9. You wake up at 6 in the morning. Like, you're a rotation. So, last night, like, we, we uh, literally stayed up. Till midnight? Till midnight. And, like, that was a stretch for me. But anyway, moving back to Moana. So, let's go back to the feedback (laughs) that people are having about this movie in 2020. 
So some people were praising Moana as the authentic representation of a Polynesian girl. You go ahead and read the... Says, the big takeaway was how the film portrayed the importance of family. Oh, here we go. Moana was the model of a really of a real Polly. Thick hair, not really petite, big eyes, and always running around barefoot. Maui, you gotta love his hair. And yes, most Pollies do talk non-verbally, which is what we saw Maui do a lot by using his eyebrows to answer. That was actually my one of my favorite things about Maui was like he he spoke, but when he spoke, it meant something, or some sometimes. But he had his facial features were just more prominent. Mm-hmm. He was very much like like it said. You know, he would just, you know, use his eyebrows or use his facial features to express his answer. And we don't have that in Western culture. We we talk. Well, Not that that's bad or good or whatever. It's just different. A lot of communication really is not always the words that are being said, but your body language and how you're holding yourself. Like, that across the board, no matter what cultural background you happen to be a part of is going to be indicative of the message that they're trying to get across. Definitely. So, um... Let's do a few more points. Okay. Do you want this point or keep scrolling? Uh, you can do any point you want. I like that point, so let's go ahead and do that one first. And okay. then we'll do a few more after that. So this said, <laughs> some believe Maui should be depicted as he is in the culture. And so... Uh, we heard from a BuzzFeed member in Hawaii who was saying that Hawaii, Hawaii was saying that Maui was not a big, grumpy, very large character. In fact, he was quite the opposite. Maui is shown as humble, strong, and noble, like how we in Hawaii say a Hawaiian Superman. I'm hoping that that's more of a a pro and not a con because that sounds that sounds good well i mean we are we are big fans of the traditional superman so i mean some of us are i'm not a, I'm, I'm not okay he's too perfect but we're not going to get into that discussion right now <laughs> that's a whole other podcast <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast number five some think that disney is improving in its treatment of various cultures Notice the word improving. They're not perfect, but they're improving. I, I would definitely read this. So, the... the My brain just totally left me. Hold Buzzfeed? on. Buzzfeed? Yes. <laughs> that word right there? <laughs> it's in bold. It's red. red. And I still just... just Missed spaced it. Spaced out. Okay. Anyway. So, here's the review for that. It says, I am half Samoan and I live in America. Moana was a wonderful movie to watch with my Samoan grandparents and aunt, and we all loved it. I think Disney has been getting progressively better at portraying different cultures. Moana includes linguistic elements and utilized actors from the cultures. While Disney may have bitten off more than they could chew, they were more respectful in their approach than they have been in the past, and the username is Just Because I'm Bad. Okay, um, and this one we already kind of talked about is the belief that Maui uh, was based on uh, the Vox grandfather. Um, it was the high chief Peter Maivia. We'd already kind of talked about that. 
and the Vogue actually um, was the one that kind of started that rumor. I don't say started, started that rumor, but he was the one that talked about it the most. So I don't feel like we need to jump on that too much. Let's check in and see where we are timestamp wise, shall we? Yeah, I guess. Okay. So I think it might be time for us to wrap up our portrayal <laughs> of Moana. Um, but like I said, honestly, let's just do like a brief convo of like final thoughts, I guess. Okay. So I I still love the movie. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate the honest feedback. Because that's something I'm not going to think of, right? Because I come culturally from a different place. I don't understand the, that, that culture. Um, for, so for people who live in that culture, especially the one where they said they watched it with their aunts and their grandparents. And so um, that, one, that one held a lot of water for me simply because it's like, hey, they would know what they're talking about. That'd be like us talking to my grandparents and your parents and grandparents about like, World wars and things like that, things that they lived through. Mm-hmm. My and parents are not that old, but yeah, grandparents. I said grandparents. <laughs> but we can even get your parents' opinion on like the space launch and things like that yeah, that they were we alive in, where we read it in a book or see a movie about it and we think that that's factual and they're gonna give another opinion. So I really like that. And I think that sharing that opinion of going, look, Disney's taking steps to fixing some of the issues they've had in the past. That's great. I hope they keep moving forward because we're at a point where they really need to. What are your final thoughts? What do you think? So for me, I loved the music, but I think above all, I loved the just how much she got to spend near the shoreline, in the ocean, on the coast again because where we you love water. where I do like right now we currently live in a desert environment and for me swimming in our swimming pool is literally my favorite thing to do I cannot wait to get back to a trip to the ocean I would love to live along the coast somewhere at some point in time I just I love the water I love seeing it and yeah so for me that was really the best part of the film was just getting that little teeny tiny taste of like, oh, here's some beautiful nature. Yeah. Um, what did you think of their feedback? Oh, I love the feedback. I think it's a wonderful dialogue to have, um, not only within the BuzzFeed community, but just within the community at large again. Mm-hmm. So that way, as we're thinking, you know, for people who are going to be making films or producing other stories yeah, and things like that. To just be aware of this feedback and try to incorporate that into future projects. Definitely. Um, so yeah, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. Um, and then we'll get back to John, I believe it's 18 at this point. Is that correct? Uh, let me take a look. Yes. We so are John, John 18. chapter 18 this um, week. So we'll be right back with the Beautiful Feet podcast. Inspired by hip-hop and the faith culture, the sanctuary in my solitude, the thoughts, feelings, and life lessons of an imperfect Christian by Anthony Kiesig is BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com's work in print. It is a book of poetry, and it's available through iUniverse.com, Amazon.com, BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com, and the links are also available in our social media and podcast. 
So please consider The Sanctuary of My Solitude if you're looking for a next great read. Thank you so much. Welcome back to the Beautiful Feet Podcast. This is the portion of the podcast where we're going to go ahead and dive into scripture. Uh, We're currently going through the book of John. We're going straight into John chapter 18. Uh, But before we do, would you mind giving us a recap of John 17? So in John chapter 17, what we see is that Jesus has already had his, what we think of as the last supper with his disciples. Jesus knows that very soon Judas is going to return to betray him. So he's taking this opportunity to pray for himself, to pray for his disciples, and to also pray for the people who have not yet come to believe in him, but will Mm -hmm. in the future. Yeah. Did you want more of a recap than that? (laughs) No, no, that's perfect. Sorry. Um, So going into 18, we are going to be talking about the betrayal, Jesus' arrest, and just the different steps that goes on there, right? So let's talk about the betrayal first. So Judas knows the area where Jesus and his disciples are going to be because he is also one of the disciples. It's like insider information. Yeah. So Judas is taking with him these um, soldiers. There's officials that are coming like from the chief priests and the Pharisees as well. So it's not just Judas and Jesus in this interaction or encounter. No, what we actually have here is it was almost like an army of people coming to get Jesus, right? Yeah, we see, again, they're soldiers. They're, they have torches, lanterns, and weapons. And this is all recorded in verses 2 and 3. Yeah. And we also know that Jesus, because he never went anywhere without his inner circle, which was John, James, and... God, there was one more. Come on. Would it perhaps be Peter? There you go. Because Peter's the one who's going to cut the guy's ear off. Yeah. Spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) Peter's got anger management issues. Yes. So, I mean, he might. But yeah, so Jesus had his inner circle, which was these three guys who really went everywhere with him. And so they're with him. You got Judas with his small army, Jesus with his three men, and they kind of have a, they have this face off of like, and I love this interaction where they're basically like, you know. I'm like, of course you'd love the fight scene. <laughs> there wasn't even a fight scene, but I love the part where Jesus is like, hey, who are you looking for? And they're like, oh, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus is like, hey, that's me. Like, he's not hiding. He's literally saying, I'm him. And they do this, what, three times? At least twice. Yeah, because I see one, two, three. So I see three times that they have this interaction. I don't know why they took so long to in, to understand that that was Jesus. Like, do, do we have any under, uh, why that would be? See, I, I, like, I don't know if they're like trying to give him a chance to be like, hey, you got the wrong guy. Because I would think that, okay, with the exception of the soldiers, like they might not know who Jesus is, but definitely like Judas and the officials from the chief priest and the Pharisees, like they the are going to know. They are definitely going to know who Jesus is by this point in time. 
with the amount of times that they, he has been like previously around them, seen them. Yeah, like interacting with this circle of he people. He spoke to them directly and was like, "You're whitewashed tombs. Like you're not living the way God wants you to live." Yeah, you're gonna remember that face. So obviously, Peter is upset during this interaction. And well, they go to arrest Jesus and. Peter basically throws out his sword and like starts attacking and actually cuts off the ear of a servant um, of one of the men. Um, one who, of the high priests. One of the high priests. Thank you. That's in verse uh, 10, I think. Yeah, because his name was Malchus. Well, Malchus, I think is how you say it. Yeah, Malchus. Um, now... Jesus' response is in 11. Now, if, if, my, if people were trying to arrest me and one of my inner circle members went to my defense and cut a dude's ear off, I don't know what my reaction would be because I don't have that kind of inner circle. But Jesus <laughs> says this. Verse 11. Put your sword into your, she- into your sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? So Jesus is looking at it going, this is what the Father wants. Is me to go with these men and face the consequence of, of, of what I'm about to face. In one of the other Gospels, Jesus actually heals the ear of the man who got his ear cut off. So Jesus is showing grace in a time where, I'm going to be honest, I don't think most of us would. Oh, definitely not. I don't feel like if anyone is going to come at you in any sort of an accusatory way, whether it's a defamation of character or like in this particular situation, it's an actual arrest, you're not going to be kind to your would-be captors. Mm-hmm. Well, and not only that, he turned around and rebukes. He doesn't do it here, but he rebukes uh, Peter for what he did. He's like, I, again, I don't remember the exact words, but he basically was like, look, that's not what we're going to do. Like, he sets the example of, like, in the times of chaos, I'm going to bring peace. So we see that the group moves away from this garden setting because Jesus is taken. Um, they take him to Caiaphas' father-in-law. Uh, Caiaphas was the the father-in-law of Caiaphas, it says, was the high priest that year. So he's basically going to be taken to this person who's going to have a high standing within the Jewish community. Mm-hmm. And this is the point where simultaneously, so while Jesus is going through his trial and different things, Peter's going through his own stuff. Peter um, was told earlier in, a, in an earlier chapter, I think it was 16 or 17, that he was going to uh, deny Jesus uh, at the time that Jesus was on trial. And of course, at that time that Jesus told this to Peter, Peter was like, it's not going to happen. I, you know, I follow you and, and you're my Lord. Like, it's not going to happen. Well, because we see that Jesus is taken into what is known as the high priest courtyard to have this interaction but peter has to wait outside yeah and so it's like to set the scene 
it's nighttime, it's dark, it's cold. There's like a fire kind of a pit area where everyone is surrounded by mm-hmm. it to warm themselves. And it is in that space that Peter has these people basically like, hey, aren't you one of this guy's disciples too? Yeah, because Jesus was arrested uh, for spreading the gospel, for healing people, uh, for the different things that he did. These men, the disciples, are with him all of the time. So by law, it's basically like if he's guilty and he's found guilty, you guys will also be found guilty. And like we think of that today as being guilty by association. Yeah. So of course, Peter in this moment of self-preservation, is trying to distance himself from Jesus. Oh, definitely. And so people are coming to him. First, I think it's, it's a little girl who, who sees him and is like, hey, aren't you with that man too? Like, don't you know that man? Uh, then it's... Um, what is it at? There it is. Uh, then it's... Uh, I mean, it, it doesn't actually give a name. It just says another man... Um, recognized him as well and says aren't you are you not one of the disciples he says i'm not and then i like the fact that it says the last guy was says in verse 28 one of the servants of the high priest a relative of the man whose ear peter had cut off asked him did i not see you in the garden with him with jesus peter denied it and then the rooster crowed so that's exactly what Jesus had predicted or said was going to happen. But it was interesting that the the you know the guy who got his ear cut off, his his relative was also pointing out Peter. Cuz I feel like that is not really something that you would forget. Well, especially since it sounds like he was there in that event. Mm-hmm. Cuz he says, "Didn't I see you in the garden?" So he was there. So he got a look at the man who cut off his his uh, Relatives ear. It doesn't say cousin or uncle or whatever. It just says relative mm-hmm. on my Bible. So, um, like, you're not going to forget that, especially since it just happened. Yeah. Like, within a few hours, mm-hmm. half a day maybe, you know. Definitely um, within a few hours. Yeah. So, you're going to remember that guy, and he's like, dude, it wasn't me. So, while all of this is going on outside, Jesus is being questioned by the high priest inside yes and jesus points out he's like hey everything i've taught you everything i've been saying like i'm not doing this secretly i've been speaking in the synagogues i've like i've been speaking in public places so why are you accusing me of things now well yeah and i think the public thing is very important because you know a lot of people are accusing him of things that, like, based on the law, was forbidden. And he's like, look, everything I've done, I've done in public. And there's multiple people. Jesus had a following around him at all times. So there's people that you could bring in and you could question, and they would support Jesus' side of the story. And that's literally what Jesus is asking them to do. He says, why question me? Ask those who have heard me, and surely they will know what I've said. Yeah. So you could ask the disciples. You could ask the people that I've healed. You could ask the people who saw me heal people. I mean, like I said, he always had people around him 
So there's a lot of evidence, but they didn't even look at that. They strictly were like, we've got our man and he's guilty. So now we see that Jesus is going to be like, he is bound. He's forcibly being taken from the religious leaders to the Roman government. Yeah. So we're moving from, okay, this is a Jewish community issue to now we're alerting it to the Roman authorities or the government at large at this point. Yeah. Well, and this is where the the, the laws get very convoluted, for lack mm-hmm. of a better term. It gets very like, whose laws are we supposed to follow? Because if you look at Roman laws, Jesus has done nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. If you look at the laws of the the religious leaders, the Pharisees, they believe he's broken multiple laws. Well, and now, like, it's not nighttime anymore. This has gone on so long, it is very early in the morning. They are at the governor's palace, but they don't want to defile themselves before the Passover. So Pilate comes out to them and is like, what charges do you bring against this man? And I could kind of see that like still playing out today. Like if you're in a police station, they're going to be like, hey, so why do you want this person arrested? Yeah. And it basically boiled down to they wanted him arrested and crucified simply because he was, as you put it earlier, um, I think you said bugging them. Their response, they, they literally are like, hey, if he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. So Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. And this is their response. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. So they didn't want just a regular punishment, right? They didn't want to be like, hey, you're just cast out of the synagogue or you can't enter into our, our um, cities. They were like, no, we want him executed because of what he's done. But they never really say, at least in this scripture, they never actually tell Pilate what they have done mm-hmm. or what he did. But They're just you, like, we want him judged. Can you imagine this from Pilate's perspective? It's early in the morning. You're probably barely out of bed. He's he he might have been awake for the day, but like let's just say perhaps he's still like going through that time of waking up and getting ready. And here come not just one person, but an entire group of people being like, You have to execute this man. Yeah, like now. We want it right now. Well, what has he done? It doesn't matter. We can't execute him. You've gotta do it. That's basically what it boiled down to. So then, let's see. Pilate is going to be questioning Jesus. And he asks him flat out, he says, are you the king of the Jews? Now, you had a good input on this. So, we're, like, the history of the Jewish people is that they are a monotheistic people living in the middle of a polytheistic world. And during this time, during the first century A.D., you have the Jewish community, but the overarching government is the Roman government. Mm-hmm. 
So Pilate is trying to ascertain, is Jesus in his standing within his own community going to be a threat to the overarching power structure of Rome? Like, because Rome is going to have their emperor. He, so he's like, hey, so are you a leader of these people? Like, are you their king? Mm-hmm. And Jesus was like, no. like that I is, never said that. That is not how I am, for lack of a better way to put it, like marketing myself. Well, but that's what the Jewish community was saying. Not in a good way. They were saying it in a derogatory way of saying, look, he thinks he's our king. We only bow down to God. Therefore, we want him executed. It's, again, putting Jesus and God on the same level. Because Jesus talked about his kingdom, there were people, even among his own followers, were like, oh, he might want to actually have an earthly kingdom. Whereas he's like, no, like you're misunderstanding me. My kingdom's not of this world. It's in heaven. Yeah. Is the cat in the laundry, Zach? Yeah. I'll go get so, her out. I think she's stuck. Well, and, 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 and yes, yeah, so Jesus does have a kingdom that he's forming and creating as our cat jumps out of a laundry basket. Um, but... Because normally, like, when I'm doing the laundry, I tip the basket over and they kind of play in it like a little tunnel. But then, you know, when it's not laundry time, the laundry basket stands up straight. But it, um, it's a cylindrical fabric thing. So the cats, they'll go onto the dresser and jump into it, but then they don't have enough momentum to be able to jump out of it. So sometimes we have to rescue them. Anyway... Back to this very serious discussion of Jesus and the Roman government. Yeah. So, basically, after the conversation that uh, Pilate has with Jesus, Pilate comes back to the religious leaders and is like, Hey, I see nothing wrong. I see him guilty of no crime. If you want to discipline him, execute him, whatever... That's on your hands, and he literally washes his hands of the situation. Pilate says, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, No, not him, give us Barabbas. So, and, and Barabbas was like, a hardened criminal. Like, if I understand correctly, if I remember, he's actually a career criminal. Like, he wasn't just a petty, stole something, and, and that was all he did. Well, because, again, the the practice of crucifixion... Is for the worst of the worst. Yeah, this is not just like, Every. okay, you have a minor offense. This is, you have done something egregious so let's make an example of you so other people will not want to perpetrate the same crime that you have committed and that's why they they performed the crucifixion publicly and they hung you in a place where new people coming to jerusalem will see you so that they're like i don't want that to happen to me but we will talk more about the crucifixion for next week yeah uh do you want to go ahead and plug our socials 
before we jump into socials, is there anything from this chapter that we could learn from our personal lives? Just, I want to say just to act with integrity when yeah. perhaps your character might be on the line. Yes. Because there are people that were accusing Jesus of things and he didn't lash out at them. He may have been like what we like to call sassy pants Jesus a little bit, but like he could have harmed other people who were trying to arrest him. And then we see like he intervenes on the behalf of the gentleman who was injured. Yeah. And he even, like we discussed, looks at Peter and is like, no, that's not how we're going to act. Um, and I think looking at the story of Peter, right? Looking at the story of Peter denying Jesus, there's going to be times in our lives where as, as, as Christian, people are going to accuse us of a bad behavior, right? And oh, they're yeah. going to be like, well, I thought you were a Christian. How could you do A, B, or C? And we really have to just bite the bullet. And I think Peter did not bite the bullet. He kind of, okay... I'm not associated with Jesus. I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, but the truth be told, he he was a believer. He was a follower. And if you're a follower of Jesus, there's going to be times where people question you. And you've got to kind of take that stand. And sometimes that's going to have consequences to it. Um, so that's kind of our big takeaway for that. Um, we do appreciate everybody listening and everybody sharing and, and subscribing. Please continue to do that. Uh, don't forget the links down below about you know all the all the things we talked about with Moana and the different mm-hmm. um, Asian resources. American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Yes, absolutely. Um, feel free to contact us at beautifulfeetentertainment.com. As well as Instagram and Twitter, Beautiful Feet Entertainment on both of those. You'll be able to find it. Um, yeah, it's been, you know, I'm excited to kind of put John to a close and jump into the book after that, which will be Revelation. But we still have a few more chapters in John. Yes. I think it's four, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, would you mind praying for us and we'll close out from there? Father God, we thank you so much for this opportunity that we've had to learn from your word today. And just as we're following the message of Jesus and the story of the cross uh, as we get into the crucifixion for next week, just help us to be reverent and ever mindful of his sacrifice on the cross for us. And we know that that was born out of the great love that God and Jesus have for us as humanity so that we can be reconciled back to the Father through that sacrifice. We thank you for the creation of the world as this wonderful place that you've given to us to live. We thank you for the diversity um, in the plants and the animals and in the people who occupy the earth and like this is just our home and we're all here together as a part of God's beautiful creation. So just allow us as we go throughout the rest of this year to be mindful of the people that uh, someone at our church always likes to say that they are image bearers. Mm -hmm. And that refers to the fact that when God was creating humanity, he said, let us make them in our image so that we carry a small picture of what God looks like as being people and help us to be 
mindful of that when there are um, times when there might be disputes among us that need resolution. God, we thank you for the people who are listening to our podcast and who have joined us along with reading the book of John together, that we can continue this journey as we move to the book of Revelation later on in the summer in just a few weeks here. We know that you have created a way, even in the midst of the pandemic, for us to still feel like we're a part of the community of Christ, to know that we are a part of the church and that we as Christians are the church for one another. So allow us to continue to embody that as we're producing these podcasts and as we're having people on for interviews like we will later on in the month. That um, that would just be a wonderful way so that we can have blessings for ourselves as well as for our listeners. We ask that you would keep them safe wherever they may be. We ask that you would bring them health and happiness. And most importantly, that we would be able um, to just learn and grow together in our faith. It's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please continue to like, comment, subscribe. Uh, hit us up, beautifulfeedentertainment.com. Thank you. Next week, we'll be back with a brand new episode. Thank you for listening to the Beautiful Feet Podcast, a partnership of BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. Please feel free to follow us on social media at Beautiful Feet Entertainment. Please visit BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com and do not forget to like, share, and subscribe.